Welcome into Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of the Two for One Drafts podcast, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Today, we're going to look at some prospects that weren't necessarily high on our radar that caught our eye in the early weeks of college football. Then we're going to do our NFL rookie matchups to watch, NFL green line picks, our prospects to watch, and our NCAA green line picks. Let's get it. Mike, I only feel like it's fitting to kick this podcast off with apparently you gave a guy a concussion in fantasy or not fantasy football, flag football. Was what was it yesterday? It was on Monday. Yeah. So what happened? I it was I, I kind of feel bad about it, but you know that hit like that Emmanuel Sanders took that one like back when he was playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they got safeties. Yeah, yeah I got yeah, you. Yeah, or they're both just like they're both like diving at the ball. And like neither one saw each other, and that's why it was such a violent hit because no one slowed down at all. That was basically what this was. It was kind of like the guy was running a wheel route, and so there's a guy on my team behind him, and I'm playing safety, and I'm just I'm over the top. I I know I'm getting there, and so I'm in a full sprint, and the guy kind of he kind of lays out like face first, and he just my shoulder went Yikes. right into his face, and the guy was he was not happy about it. Their team it was flag football, and like on the top like for like COVID <laughs> reasons, they're like no contact. Is like in big red letters. Flag under- football in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it's, a bold, it's a bold move. And then, uh, yeah, he was the guy had to go home. So. Interesting, interesting uh, story there, my friend. Did you end up winning the game? No, we actually got killed. Oh my but- god! So you just freaking. Dude, just body bag season. Incredible. All right, well, let's kick this off. We were going to start with some prospects that caught your eye specifically, guys that necessarily weren't high weren't high on your radar going in, but have already put some good um, stuff on tape. We'll start with Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary, a guy that I know in the past has graded really well for us and has forced a handful of um, incompletions, has had his hands on the ball a handful of times. What were your thoughts on McCreary? Yeah, so he was last year kind of they had no egg but now he was like the lone starter and he was in like a rotation for the number two cornerback there but not it wasn't their slot cornerback he was in rotation as an outside cornerback there for auburn 81.1 grade last year uh like i said wasn't necessarily on our radar as him as a true sophomore this past season or this past week though against kentucky 89.6 coverage grade the guy's pretty darn fast i mean now kentucky's not the most talented passing offense this isn't uh, you know, this isn't him going up against Alabama's wide receivers, but no one really beat him. Like, no one beat him at all. He, the, the one catch he did give up was a screen, came up, made the play on it. And, and the one pick six he had, you saw his speed. The guy looks like he has legit, you know, 4-4 flat speed, and that's already, you know, if you if you have that at the cornerback position, you, you're going to get drafted usually. Like, mm-hmm. if you have 4-4 speed and you play at a school in the SEC at cornerback, that's a good thing for you, and I think he's even more than just that. So... Like I said, wasn't didn't make the PFF draft guide. I hadn't watched, wasn't you know, didn't even watch a sophomore tape. I'll just be honest, going into this year. Uh, but this guy, got a legit prospect. Yeah, an eighty-one point one coverage grade this past uh, in twenty nineteen on five hundred eighty-six total defensive snaps, and this past week seventy-six snaps played and eighty-seven point six PFF grade allowed just one reception for two yards uh, on three targets, had an interception and a pass breakup as well. That is have yourself a day territory for Roger McCreary. Moving forward here, need to talk about our guy Jordan Smith. Is that the, the UAB edge defender? UAB six foot seven, two fifty-five. He's been popping off for a few weeks now because UAB's been playing a little 
little bit longer than the SEC and actually like getting the job done. He had some opportunities against some decent competition as well. It wasn't all cupcakes and has still managed to produce a high pass rushing grade. I know our college analyst Anthony Tresh is high on Jordan Smith, maybe not as a prospect, but as a college football player. But you see him in entering draft potential prospect territory yes so he actually graded out really well last year and this guy i did actually watch his tape from 2019 <laughs> yeah he was uh 91.5 pass rushing grade last year 92.7 run defense grade. He's one of the most productive edge guys in the country but he was like 245 last year this guy was skinny as can be at 6'7 did not look like an nfl prospect from that perspective just a weird body type but he's filled out a lot like his a lot more power strength to his game this year up to 255 and it showed in this one. South Alabama, watched that tape, went back and watched Central Arkansas tape, the Miami tape on him to see what he had. And this guy, I think, is actually an NFL prospect. Now, he's not super explosive by any means, but the fact that he's still getting bigger, still kind of growing into this ridiculous frame that he has uh, is very encouraging. So uh, to me, between him and Ali Gay, the guy we highlighted as you know one of the best performers from the past week, I think I'd rather have Jordan Smith right now. I think he's a better prospect. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I didn't see a lot on Ali Gay's tape where you're like coming away with explosiveness or anything like that. But yeah. six foot seven, two fifty five, earned a ninety one point five pass rushing grade on over three hundred snaps in twenty nineteen. Fifty two total pressures, and then this past through the last three games: Central Arkansas, Miami, Florida, and South Alabama. A ninety point seven PFF pass rushing grade and sixteen total pressures. If you haven't watched the guy, it might be time to turn on some Jordan Smith tape. He also wears number twenty two, which I think looks great on a guy that's six. Foot seven, 255. Do you? 22 is a tough sell for me. For really? For a D lineman. Single digits or 90s. Really? A That's it? Yeah. Wow. I hate anything uh, in the, the, like the 50s or uh, you see some guys wearing the 60s in the D line. I'm not never going to oh, get 60s on the D line. You're. Isn't screwed. that what, what Wharton's wearing right now for the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, no, he's in the 90s. Uh, I thought he was in the 60s. Never but mind. Like, uh, who was it on Ohio State last year? It was like 67. I'm just like, you're screwed. You're not mm-hmm. a prospect at that point. All right. How about Larry Borum? You get, you're just throwing monster names out here. You're just getting excited for just a, a lot of new names on this thing. The Missouri offensive tackle, six foot six, three thirty two. That's literally the the segment, Austin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, we have, guys caught our eye. But I mean, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Larry Borum, Missouri right tackle, six six, three thirty two. Started last year. Actually did all right. Sixty nine point six pass blocking grade in twenty nineteen for them. Looked like a different guy in this one. Alabama it just looked more nimble. Um, He's a big dude as a basketball background. You always love to see that for offensive tackles. That was, you know, what Eric Fisher was everyone hyping him up as, oh, he played basketball uh, back in high school. Of course he did. He was 6'8". If you didn't play basketball and you were 6'8", what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? But, no, Larry Borum, though, uh, against Alabama, didn't allow a single pressure. Uh, very strong dude. Uh, had some nice blocks the second level against linebackers and develops guys. Only a junior, uh, so he, you know, not any sort of – hurry i'd say to come out he might not be in this year's class but just a name to watch going forwards look like he's taken a pretty big step from what i saw in 2019 an 85.9 pass blocking grade to open the season against alabama is always going to be a standout performance rashad weaver that's a name that everyone has kind of seen a little bit on the draft radar he's the pittsburgh edge defender six foot five 270 through two weeks now an 83.3 overall grade and a 76.8 pff pass rushing grade five pressures apiece against syracuse and louisville I watched both those games. You watch, you know, watch his pressures and how he's winning. I didn't come away super impressed. Didn't want to put him in that, you know, edge one, not edge one, but like that top tier of edge yeah, defenders. No. But um, he has been productive so far through this year. He reminds me of, and not the same school scout, but a lot of like the way he plays the game is Aaron Dolph. Sheared out. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 
Jabal Sheard esque. Uh, I think there's similar body types. Similar you love making comps with Jabal Sheard. I feel like you you, you make it a like handful of like Sheard. really good comps. He's a very distinctive. <laughs> he's a distinctive player though. But to me, so P- Patrick Jones is the other edge defender at Pitt, uh, and Jalen Twyman was the defensive tackle who opted out. To me, he's by far the most impressive tape I've seen of any of those. Camp also, or Kemp uh, also had some hype coming out, the the defensive tackle for Pitt, but he hasn't really panned out and like lived up to it. But go ahead. Uh, so Weaver, towards ACL last year, 2019, graded out well in 2018. Just a big physical sort of defense event. <clears throat> Uses his hands really well. Uh, like I said, already five sacks on the season. He's been very productive here. So caught my eye in a very good way there. Alec Lindstrom, last guy we'll highlight here at the Boston College Center, brother, younger brother of Chris Lindstrom, and uh, 82.1 PFF pass blocking grade through two weeks. Hasn't graded quite as well as a run defender, but he's got kind of a little bit of a smaller frame, 6'3", 295. Um, where, where are you at with Lindstrom? Yeah, so he's a redshirt junior, and you see very similar to his brother. He's just very athletic, but also athletic, but also plays f- more physical than 295 pounds mm-hmm. like he plays a physical brand of football has a lot of pressure this year only allowed five pressures last year athleticism on the interior offensive line you like guys it just it's a good thing to have you don't necessarily need it but if you're undersized it's a nice sort of piece if you're a team that runs a lot of screens gets your offensive lineman on the move you're going to cover guys like alec lindstrom now he played texas state this past week and played duke the week before that not world beaters so we'll see when he goes up against, you know, a real school like Notre Dame. <laughs> real school like Notre Dame. Had to slip that one in there. All right, let's pivot to the NFL now and talk about some rookie matchups or rookies to watch in NFL Week 4. Mike, can you believe it's Week 4? No. I feel like the season flies, man. You, you, like, build it up the entire – and this offseason was even different from a build-up perspective. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, you get there and it's just gone. I feel like it goes by so It quickly. really used to fly when I was doing analysis because – it would just be it was so repetitive yeah you're just like, in a constant like state of grading and yep. games and collecting data and then by the time you're done like the hours you're before you're done the thursday night game starts and you're back yeah, and you're back yeah. so um all right first guy we want to highlight and this is your guy here logan wilson going against james robinson the running back for the jacksonville jaguars yes logan wilson he's been getting more playing time he had the pick last week kind of a gimme pick but it was still a nice play i got tipped at the line of scrimmage but he's just looked more comfortable after being a liability like week one week two i thought angles linebacker a liability so, mike yeah, it seems rare <laughs> breaking news no but and then james robinson we've talked about him how well he's or how well he's played over the past few weeks so i think those two if they get matched up will be fun even if they don't get matched up but just watching those two uh, and logan wilson especially how he develops because i mean they used the third round pick on him they could have gotten a they could have gotten a nice guard mm-hmm. for joe burrow at that point there's been some guards jonah jackson damian lewis that were drafted in the third round that would have massively upgraded their guard position there for cincinnati they passed on him for this guy so it better be pretty damn good for joe burrow's health and P- uh, actually you know Cincinnati Bengals, our hometown Cincinnati Bengals. If you don't know, PFF is actually based in Cincinnati. Yeah, we're in Cincinnati uh, right now. Huh? We're in Cincinnati right we now. We are in Cincinnati. But with Cincinnati Bengals, they're at home, favored by three in this game. This is, Joe Bro, I don't Wingless. think they're going to be favored many times this season. So being favored at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is a game they can win. This might be Joe Burrow's first win. I also, I'm highlighting Joe Burrow um, in this game. I think it's going to be some of the easiest competition he's faced so far in his NFL career. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense against Brian Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins looked like shredded yeah, cheese out yeah, there. Yeah, you know, Miles Jack has had a really good season thus far, but the pass rush has not been great. C.J. Henderson has literally been was up in the first two weeks and then atrocious against Devontae Parker and Preston Williams in Week 3. I think Joe Burrow, his grade has improved every single week so far through his mm-hmm. NFL career, and this is going to be a defense where he can actually – 
dare I say, have some protection. <laughs> I said this on the, the Monday podcast, but he's the only quarterback in the NFL has been pressured on more than 60 dropbacks. The guy is getting body bagged every single mm-hmm. game. Going against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think you'll finally get something where Joe Burrow is not going to be on his back more than half the game. And if you give him that opportunity with the relationship, or not the relationship, but the chemistry he's building with T. Higgins, um, continue to get better throwing downfield, I think Joe Burrow is going to have a day here. It could be his highest graded game yet. And after close, Josh Allen. He's looked he looked good against Miami. He has. Miami's tackle stink, but looked all right. I have a really game. good take on Josh Allen. Go ahead. Josh Allen, and when we talked to him, and when we interviewed him and talked about how much he's improved and all this stuff, he is one of the best players in the NFL, best young players in the NFL at getting better. He has gotten so much better at Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, learning from that coach he had in his senior year at Kentucky and adding pressure to et cetera. And then you look at what he's done to improve from 2019 to 2020, getting better against the run, more explosive, all that type of stuff. Like scouting talent, I've always said, is so much easier and why you know, people are easy, it's easy to identify traits. It's easy to identify high, high potential, high ceiling players. Developing talent is some of the hardest cool. shit in the world. And that's why you know you have players like Jamarcus Russell and other high ceiling prospects. Bust Josh Allen had that ceiling and also the means to get better. And I think he's been um, as advertised entering the NFL. And something that always floors me, and this is obviously a big tangent at this point, but is how how few colleges develop like focus on player development of skills none do <laughs> so so i mean like how many players have we talked to tcu like, that yeah, like, say like no one teaches me any moves <laughs> like blue blood like ohio state you know bamas of the world clemson's the guys who are focusing on brian hartline yes, like a like legit coach <laughs> they're focusing on that sort of thing and like when and that was like notre dame's claim to fame with their offensive line was harry he stand would teach offensive line play like from the beginning, like it would, you would have to relearn everything by the time you got to Notre Dame, and by the time you left, you were like a technician. So many schools are just like, "Oh, you're an offensive lineman. Just here, you, this is your I mean, assignment." Not, it, and, and I know, to some degree, but like, it's not you're not building skill set, and so that's why it's such a big, uh, it's such like a big component of translating from college to the NFL. And there are two concerns with that. One, the obvious one. You have a player or a prospect that has this potential, but no te- no skills. Two, you don't learn how a player develops. You don't learn yeah. how a player takes coaching and actually tries to build on yeah. his skill set. Instead, you find out Ben Banigou has been watching YouTube videos to learn to pass rush. Mm-hmm. Even you know, LJ Collier doesn't have a counter because no one's taught him one. Like that is a problem. And that, I, I, again, I stand by this. The reason players bust. It's not because people are terrible at scouting players. It's easy to evaluate guys who have really good athleticism and high potential in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, not, it's not hard at all. The problem is it's how do you evaluate a player's ability to develop and improve, and that is always more difficult. It's hard to get in an interview. Should, it's hard to get uh, on tape, all that type of stuff. Should we get master's in psychology? Is that I, I actually just got my master's well, last You time. think PFF would pay for me to get a master's yeah, in psychology? Yeah, PFF would definitely pay for you to get a master's. No. Um, all right. Uh, the, let's get next, next prospect or the matchup I wanted to watch. Joe Burrow is a little bonus. I, I'm excited for the matchup for Joe Burrow, but the one I wanted to watch, watch, look at is Jeffrey Akuda with his easy, similar to Burrow, his easiest matchup of the year. Michael Thomas is not expected to play in this game against New Orleans Saints. He'll be going against Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith, which Emmanuel Sanders can be a, a tough cover, and, and Traquan Smith is a big, fast receiver, but it's nowhere near what he's been facing in Weeks 2 and Week 3 and DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. Like I think Jeffrey Okuda has an opportunity to not get put yeah. in a blender this week, and I think that's just going to be a sight for sore eyes you know, because Jeffrey Okuda has had a really rough start to the NFL season. Yeah, man, he has to be like, holy shit, the NFL is way tougher than kind of It has to be eye-opening compared to what he saw this will be far more like what he saw 
Ohio State. All right, next matchup for you is Jeff Gladney yes. versus the speed of the Houston Texans. Basically, in the similar vein to Jeffrey, this is like why you draft a corner like Jeff Gladney is because he can keep up with receivers like Will Fuller, like Brandon Cooks, like Kenny Stills. Those are the matchups he should win and should look good against. Doesn't. We're concerning. We're talking about that's that's a little concerning at this point. Now again, you don't write any corner off this early in the season. You're not going to write anyone off this early in the season. It's You're not going to write games. anyone off this season. I'm just, yeah. Period. Because of how hard it was to, yeah. I feel like for rookie rookies at all positions to really adjust to the abbreviated offseason, etc. But again, if a guy really is going to turn into a Pro Bowl level player, you know, all Pro level player, you got to see something. Yeah, like that. They you, they show something as a rookie almost always. So, so looking at Jeff Gladney through you know this year, it looks like he played in week one. He played fifty or week two, week one. He played nine snaps. Mm-hmm. In week two, he played sixty total snaps with fifty five at outside corner. And in week three, they split him thirty and thirty four at slot corner and wide corner. Mm-hmm. He's it's trial by fire for this guy. He's great. I mean, Khalif Raymond put him in a blender in week three, and then week two wasn't good either. He's earned very low grades through uh, through three weeks now. And I against Indianapolis, he earned a thirty seven point nine PFF coverage grade in week two. I, I think it will get better for Jeff Gladney, but I still think he, he's a long ways away from having like really good games because I think the game is still too fast for him, despite his athleticism. And I had this conversation with. Uh, just yesterday with Matthew Collar on his uh, show, the the Vikings uh, Purple Insider, um, about when do you when you give up on like young corners like this? When do you say, hey, um, like like the Eagles? The Eagles refuse to give up on Razul Douglas, Sidney Jones, um, who else? Jalen Mills in that secondary said, you know, they're going to develop. They didn't, and it torpedoed basically a few years for them. Um, I think there's been teams that have done that where they went all in on the cornerback position all in the secondary with young guys and they just never developed. Yeah. And then that's put you behind the eight ball. And that's to me, you have to recognize if a guy's not, and I said the biggest thing was making plays on the football year one. If you don't see a guy make you know numerous plays, like high level plays on the football, I'd be ready to not necessarily give up, but move on and say, we need to address it because it's the most, you know, we call it the second most valuable position after cornerback or after quarterback in the NFL if guys like Gladney and Dantzler aren't making plays on the ball by the end of year one, I think it's time to move. And Jeff Gladney was one of the guys in college that always was around the football. Exactly. Always had really high passes defense. So it's going to be interesting. I think there's two ways. There's the Eagles version where you've already invested a ton in young cornerback talent and you're looking to develop it and you're not addressing the position moving forward. And then there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers version where you've invested at the position in multiple drafts and continue to do so until one of these guys hits. You've seen them in multiple drafts now continue to add defensive backs. Mike Edwards of Kentucky, Sean Murphy Bunting of Central Michigan, um, obviously Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr. this past year. Like they just continue to draft young defensive backs and they're not quitting on anybody, but they're just trying to find someone who's actually going to play. Yeah, the fact that they draft Antoine Winfield a year after they had so drafted a safety in the third round who was a starter, and then a year before that drafted a safety in the second round who was also a starter. Like, so many teams would just be like, okay, we're fine at safety. These guys are, these Which guys is ridiculous. We, trust, my, trust my evaluation. These guys are going to be good. Bucks saying no, Antoine Winfield's, you know, probably, he probably had a first round grade, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's that good. I think he dropped a lot because of his injuries, uh, you know, the multiple ACLs or whatever. But, like, that is, and that, if you, now, you, now they have to play like Antoine Winfield, who's a legit difference maker, and they look the part. 
All right, another young cornerback I wanted to highlight to watch this upcoming week is Trayvon Diggs. I mean, he's earned a 49.5 PFF coverage grade through three weeks. He's been thrown right into the fire, 134 coverage snaps played, 224 total defensive snaps played through his rookie career, has allowed 15 receptions from 22 targets for 223 yards. It's up there with the most yards allowed by any corner in the NFL. He does have three passes defense. I think there's been a handful of receptions he's allowed where he's been at the catch point. That Van Jefferson one still has me on tilt. That was just a ridiculous throw by Jared Goff in week one. But I will say this about Trevon Diggs. If he doesn't get his hands on you, and we've seen him not get hands on people, he's getting toasted, especially on the vertical route tree. You saw that against DK Metcalf in week three. What I'm looking forward to for Trayvon Diggs is to actually go against Odell Beckham Jr. in this game and see how he holds up. I want to see him at the line of scrimmage. I want to see him get his hands on guys. Like similar to what Marlon Humphrey did to him a a year ago in terms of just getting physical with OBJ, it's probably the only way you're not going to get burnt on a handful of routes there. Because if they continue to play him off coverage, they played him in the slot in week two, it's just not going to really work. Like this guy's not ready for two-way goes in the NFL. Put him at outside corner and give him an opportunity to press at the line of scrimmage. If he gets beat down like he did against Jamar Chase in LSU, you have some problems. However, I think you put him in a better position to succeed if you give him that opportunity to use his hands and, and get physical at the line of scrimmage. We'll see how it, uh, it pans out for Dallas. Yeah, and there's uh, so there's some debate, or I saw people, Cowboys uh, fans, talking about the, the, t- the not almost touchdown he gave up to, gosh, DK Metcalf, that it might not have been on him. Because it might have, oh, yeah, I did see that. It was 100% on him. It yeah. was quarters to that side. And he has so you have a linebacker coming underneath you on quarters. You you just have to stay over the top of any route at that point. You can't let a guy and he bit on like an outside. It was kind of like a corner post that DK ran. He bit on it. That was a hundred percent on Trayvon Jakes. That's a very much a what I would call a rookie mistake there to allow that route to happen because it just shouldn't. You should you should beg that guy to run the deep comeback or whatever out route he bit on there. All right, who's the next rookie to watch here? The next rookie is for me Chase Claypool because he finally got full time. Like he finally was playing. And he's he's been Six, he's been really good. Sixty one snaps, yeah, sixty one snaps last last week. He got a PI, but it wasn't really uh, much on the deep post route. It wasn't really like he didn't really do much. It was just the corner being a dumbass, uh, not adjusting to where the pass was going, and one catch uh, for twenty four yards on three targets. So he didn't after you know monster amazing catch week one, big play week two kind of fell flat a bit in that game, I would say, uh, over expectations. But uh, I'd like to just see him again with a full-time. Like, does Big Ben trust him? Is he going to be going to a more – I got the Titans secondary that's pretty solid across the board. Like, they, they have – you know, you go one, two, three with fairly good – Justin corners. Jefferson thought they were pretty solid. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but he was toasting. I mean, Jonathan Joseph taking snaps from when he's 30-whatever. Well, they need Odori Jackson back healthy. Yeah. But taking snaps from how are you not going to be playing Chris Fulton? How are you playing him over Chris Fulton? Jonathan Joseph is 36 at this point, right? He's just the old. Is I he think the oldest 39. cornerback? No, is he the oldest know. cornerback in the he NFL? Probably is. That's just absurd to me. That he's still. All right, last matchup I want to highlight here. I had the Joe Burrow as a bonus, but if Devonte Adams plays this week, which I think he'll be a game time decision, Darquise Denard's on the injured reserve. I think we're going to see a little bit of AJ Terrell versus Devonte Adams, so he might be getting the Jeffrey Akuda treatment coming up here. And they don't they have they don't play uh, their corners at the line of scrimmage a ton. He's played a ton of off coverage so far this year, but I still want to see AJ Terrell kind of continue to fi- f- sort this thing out. I remember my biggest takeaway from his week one performance is that the game is way too fast for him and then in week two he had some good plays you know coming up on the run making plays in the flats etc 
against a downfield route tree, I still feel like A.J. Terrell is going to be behind the eight ball a bit, and I think they're going to test him against Green Bay. I think it's going to be – I highlighted corners on all three of my matchups here in addition to Joe Burrow, but rookie corners are getting a ton of play right now. There are so many rookie corners in the NFL, yeah. like legit starting. Diggs, Akuda, Terrell, uh, Cameron Dancer when he's healthy, Jeff Gladney. It, it, it's yeah, there's probably more rookie corners that are actually like – starters than yeah. rookie wide receivers i mean damon arnett was starting before yeah. he had the thumb injury i think he's going on the injured reserve um the best of them all i think has been jalen johnson i think cj henderson is still the highest graded mm-hmm. but after seeing that performance on week three i got a bad taste in my mouth i, I, I mean that was just a boneheaded out of sync performance from mm-hmm. cj henderson the same ones we saw at florida when he was getting beat yeah. by other receivers as well um let's jump to our nfl green line picks and then we'll get a message from our sponsors here but first who is your green line pick this week? And if you don't know what green line is, it is a PFF betting dashboard, all present, um, all made available to elite subscribers. So I encourage you to subscribe to elite and see our predictions, projections for every NFL and NCAA game. Looking at green line, Mike, where are you trending? I like the Patriots getting seven points against the Chiefs this week. And I get that the Chiefs just, you know, putting a hurt on the Ravens and everyone, uh, you know, was picking the Ravens and that one, whatever. They were trending two different ways. But I just think... Bill Belichick doesn't get blown out. Like two scores against Bill Belichick. How many times has that happened with him? I like it at that seven number for sure. Be like, yeah, seven means you have to win by you know eight. (laughs) I was going to say two scores, but you could win by one score would be eight. But which is actually like a one point five score game because two point conversion is not guaranteed whatsoever. But I I, I just think that they're the type of team with how they play man coverage and how they can control the clock that. Not saying they're going to beat the Chiefs, but they can keep close. And right now, according to PFF Greenline, 65% of the cash and 66% of the tickets is on KC to cover that seven number. We'll see if you're the sharp in this situation. Where I'm trending right now is I I see a seven and a half number on the slate. I always get a little excited. And that Mm -hmm. seven and a half number for me is our our Atlanta Falcons taking on the Green Bay Packers. And I know a bulk majority of the cash of tickets have been on Green Bay in this one. The Atlanta Falcons have been a disaster in late, late in games, have lost a lot of games. However, I still believe that in their ability to put up points. I still believe in their ability to keep games close. The games that they've lost this year have all been close in some way, shape, or form. Seven and a half is even, you know, you're not even getting that push territory. Mm-hmm. You're through that key number. I, I, I'm putting money on the Atlanta Falcons to keep this one within a touchdown. I don't think they win this football game. It's in Lambeau. However, if, if Julio Jones can come back, which I expect he doesn't miss more than a week, you have Calvin Ridley there as well. I know they have a really good secondary there in Green Bay, led by, I think, what is the highest-graded cornerback in football in Jair Alexander. Okay. I still believe, though, in this Atlanta Falcons team being able to put up points and score with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to score as well, but I don't think they cover that 7.5 um, number quite yet. Yeah, I 7.5 seems like a lot with how bad the Packers defense has been. Yes. Like they've allowed. I mean, Greenline has a 3.1% edge on that seven and a half number. We see the spread at 6.9. Yeah. that That's just, yeah. Like Packers, obviously they've been the best offensive football through three weeks. And I don't do not doubt that they'll still shred the Falcons defense, but you tell me that the Packers are going to match up well against, you know, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones when Drew Brees was throwing two yard passes on him all day and put up whatever 30 points. I, I just don't think that the Packers have enough defensively to. I agree with you. Cover that. And, and, and they have Feel some key players. They have key half. players working back from injury. I mean, Lane Taylor's on the injured reserve. Devontae, Devontae Adams Clark. and Kenny Clark are questionable for this game. Obviously, the biggest the biggest concerns for um, 
the biggest concerns for Atlanta is Julio Jones, Grady Jarrett, mm-hmm. uh, not, not being questionable right now. We'll see how that game ends up. All right, we're going to jump to the college. Knowing slate. the Falcons' luck, they're both going to be out, and Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark are going to be in. That's just how it works. That would that would be uh, horrendous for my seven and a half pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like that juju, my friend. All right, we're going to jump to the college. Uh, portion of this podcast where we look at prospects to watch and our NCAA green line picks. But before we do that, let's talk to the sponsors. If you're listening to our podcast, you need to be listening to PFF's daily betting podcast, which features George Jahuri, Eric Eager, Ben Brown, Kevin Cole, Lee Sharp, and actually myself. I get in there and drop some panty-dropping parlays myself. 15-minute episodes daily discussing fantasy, DFS, props, and betting for the NFL and college football, all powered by PFF Greenline, a betting dashboard for every NFL and NCAA game that offers predictions on the spread, money line, and total made available to all elite subscribers. Go check out the PFF daily betting podcast all first-time depositors at monkey knife fight that put at least twenty dollars into their account while using promo code pff will receive a free pff edge annual subscription that's a forty dollar value for just twenty dollars and you'll get the opportunity to turn that twenty dollars into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the usa in monkey knife fight go to monkey knife fight and deposit your twenty dollars today with promo code pff to receive your free pff edge annual subscription Win your fantasy leagues with PFF's Edge subscription, which includes fantasy football rankings, projections, advanced stats, exclusive content, and more. Bet to win with PFF's Elite subscription, which includes betting dashboards for every NFL and NCAA game, along with a new player props tool. All diehard college football fans can subscribe to PFF's new college football subscription options to get access to player grades and advanced stats you can't get anywhere else for the entire FBS. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create your program for you. No two custom programs are the same. For PFF listeners, use promo code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, W www.moosefit.co not com.co back to the college slate mike there's some good games this week the sec is back so there's always going to be better prospects to watch than there were in the first what two or three weeks of the college football season now that the sec is back i know you want to highlight a guy a freak rather an alien playing in south carolina going against jc horn I'm going against, against J.C. Horn. Sorry. J.C. Horn being the guy. From yeah, South yeah, Carolina. yeah, yeah. And Israel Mukuamu. Just going up against, actually, it's more Mukuamu going up against Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. who is the. Do you think guy. they're going to have He's him on pa- Kyle Pitts? I don't know. I think you Why should. Not? That's yeah. your best bet of stopping that guy because he's like. I was, we were talking a little bit with like Steve and trying to think of body type comps for Kyle Pitts because he's really, he's really more of a big wide receiver mm-hmm. than he is actually a tight end at this point. And I like the Darren Waller body comp. And Darren it, Waller was yeah. six foot six, 240 coming out. Yeah. But like, I, and I think at some point he'll get up to 255, yes. 260. Like he's only 20 years old. He has that, he has the frame to do it. But I almost like the where his game is as a receiver just staying at that size because he's, athletic enough where he, I think he's just going to be kind of that guy who's a mismatch for everybody that he goes up against. Uh, because if you have a guy like Mukuamu who, you know, thrives on, so Israel Mukuamu, the South Carolina quarterback, we've, heard, we've talked about him before, but he's six foot four himself. Like he's a monster himself. Six foot four, 205. 205 at, at cornerback. 
but he can't move. He's not nowhere near as fluid as Cal Pitts is at tight end. And so mm-hmm. I think that, like, if you say, oh, we got this guy who's six foot four, can shut him down, I, I think, no, you can't. It's still going to be a mismatch to me. But if you have a guy like J.C. Horn who's smaller, more athletic, I think the size is then going to be a mismatch. Like, he gets physical on his routes, Cal Pitts does. So Dude, really physical yeah. on his routes. And I think it makes it very difficult for him to stop. I mean, J.C. Horn's the other cornerback there, wears number one for South Carolina, allowed zero receptions from two targets in week one against Tennessee. Mukuamo, on the other hand, four receptions allowed from five targets for 61 yards. I'm just excited to watch Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask play football again. Because, exactly like I mean, this was, was just electric, yeah. such a fun – I mean, it was a great back to – back, the SEC is back type of moment to see, like, legit – NFL talent, top 15 talent in terms of Kyle Pitts play football on Saturday. And also how just boring was Florida's offense for six, five, six years? Like they had, they had one of the most painful offenses to watch in the NFL, like watching Felipe Franks try to complete a five yard out compared to what we saw last mm-hmm. weekend is just night and day. So I, I will say too, when the SEC was back, I remember going by your apartment on the banks and I saw so many people at eight 30 at night before because bars close at 10 here in Ohio just completely gone one dude was blacked out had an had a had a ambulance call for him and he like couldn't even see it was just it was insane to see like the sec is back and, and then everyone there was a fire died. too there was like a fire at you also uh, had U- university of cincinnati you know winning a, a nice game i think what navy yeah, or army, army whoever they played um they covered they did cover um i'm gonna jump into my prospects to watch here i'm excited to watch more alabama football specifically jalen waddle and Devonte smith jalen waddle wide receiver two mike behind Jamar Chase I could get on board I, I want to see so more he's three right now for yeah us. yeah he's three got right Rondell Moore us. too because it's yeah. fucking Rondell yeah yeah, Come yeah. On. right now the, the rankings for PFF is Jamar Chase Rondell Moore and then Jalen Waddle but man Jalen Waddle looked really good in week one I think I want to see him build on that performance but in addition to that I want to see a little bit more from Devontae Smith Devontae Smith did not have a wow game like Waddle had in week one you're not gonna have one every week that was his MO though he was like either 200 yards or 30 yards yeah so we'll see how Devontae Smith does against Texas A&M. But, like, it's an Alabama-Brown football, baby. You're just turning on that game. You're going to see yeah. some highlight plays. Mac Jones looks electric. Christian Barmore playing well. Dylan Moses. I, I, Patrick Sertain. There's just so many prospects on the Alabama team right now that every single week they play is a game to watch, mm. and we're probably going to highlight it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll be watching pretty much every Alabama tape. because I'm going to watch every single I, I, had the, I got the take that they're going to tie Miami for the most first-rounders. They're going to have six first-rounders this year. Oh, wow. They're going to have six first rounds. Name them. Okay. It's going to be Christian Barmore, Alex Leatherwood, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Patrick Sertain, and Dylan Moses. Wow. And you have Devontae Smith going in the first round. Yeah, you weren't I mean, as high on him as other people were. Yeah. yeah. Maybe sub- I think just, cool. just for a second. All right. My matchup to highlight here. Seth Williams, Auburn wide receiver, going up against Tyson Campbell, Georgia cornerback. He is, in my opinion, the far better of the two between him and Eric Stokes at Georgia. They get really physical with their uh, wide receiver opposing wide receivers there those george cornerbacks DeAndre Baker that's what, was as physical as it gets yeah and uh, <laughs> off the field got as a well. little, yeah he got a little aggressive um but seth williams dropped weight this year dropped about 10 pounds looks different Same. like he looked considerably different good for you he, and he so he's six foot four i think 215 now he's listed at after being like 228 or 225 last year junior wide receiver big contested catch sort of guy had a nice little highlight reel uh snag on a fade last week against kentucky but i just want to see this is the Tyson Campbell's a long cornerback. That's kind of who I would uh, worry about him going up against in the NFL. Can he get off press? That sort of thing. Can he separate? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, Bo Nix hits him though, because Bo Nix is uh, 
can't hit the broadside of a barn right just, now. He, he, I was watching Seth Williams' targets from last week, and probably like three judges. Dude, like, they're all, dude Seth Williams' targets last week were tough to watch because yeah. like he was just not getting accurate throws. And, yeah. and he, he, Bo Nix was creating contested catch situations for him. There were a handful of situations where he could have threw him open, and then he has to work back to the ball or work work back to where he threw it, and it was it kind of rough to see. Uh, I have Nick Bolton here, the linebacker from Missouri, going against Tennessee. A lot of people really like Nick Bolton. They're getting on board. He, I think he was the highest-graded linebacker for PFF in 2019, and so far this year has looked really, really good. I thought he looked good against Alabama. I think with Nick Bolton, you, you love the athleticism. You love how he plays with his hair on fire. I just think you want to see more of the production, more of the headiness that you need the linebacker position to succeed, and I think he has some of that, but uh, continue to see more experience and more tape is always good for Nick Bolton. Yeah, he plays an exciting brand of linebacker. He does. That is for sure. All right, my last heads off. My last guy. Not even a matchup. I just want to watch Trevor Lawrence again. We get him back. It's going to be. You could do it every week. I mean, it's the best. I know I can, but I, he plays Virginia this week. Let's have a little conversation. Probably about a better Lawrence. defense than Wakes or Citadel. No, wait, mm-hmm. Citadels. I mean, definitely better than Citadels, but probably better than Wakes as well. I have a few questions stemming for Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Obviously, the the favorite to Are be the number one. Holes in him. We're not, we're we're not, not poking holes in them. Okay. Uh, obviously, the favorite to win the number one or win uh, to be the number one overall pick, and there's a handful of teams that are going to be bidding for that. The Washington football team is one. Uh, obviously, the New York Jets yeah. is another. What is your opinion of if the New York Giants are selecting number one overall? Do they- this one is one of those where I think everyone can agree. If you ended up with a number one overall pick, you just take Trevor Lawrence. You figure out what to do with whoever you had until. But like, if you. And I could just I could see them getting the one overall pick and drafting Penny Sewell, which would be just insane. And the craziest, the worst decision that would ever I have a take after this. Go ahead. But I, I think Trevor Lawrence is universally agreed upon to be too good for anyone to ever screw up. And and not even just to screw up, to even like entertain trade offers mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, we're gonna give you our next two drafts. No, it's not worth it because you know, you can still miss on picks. I don't think you're gonna miss on Trevor Lawrence. I think that you know there's a handful of teams where it's obvious. You know, the Washington football team, it's obvious. The New York Jets, it's obvious. I think the team that comes up that could be drafting number one overall, that maybe it isn't as obvious, is the New York Giants because they still believe in Daniel Jones and they want to build around him. And with that being said, they are the team. They are the team that I feel like if is is drafting number one overall would be the ones to trade out of it. But but here's the thing. Also, is uh, if they're drafting number one overall. I don't think Edelman survives that because yeah. they went what seven and nine has like they've gone their record's gotten worse every single year and if you you draft and they don't have guy, their best offensive player Mike if you draft your guy a quarterback and in year two he's so bad and like yeah he doesn't have a ton of a great supporting cast but it's, it's not like it's not dreadful it's not mm-hmm. what Sam Darnold's working with that's for sure um, and if they have the number one overall pick after that it's kind of on you like as a G like I think he's gonna I I don't think you would. I don't think you would survive that. Yeah, GM. it'll just, be interesting it would be to see. Very I mean, obviously, right now, I think too. the favorite to get the number one overall pick, but I don't think it stays that way is the Atlanta Falcons. And even if they were drafting number one overall, it's obvious that they take Trevor Lawrence, even with Matt Ryan and the career he's in right now. Even if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, they're not as a rookie. Get the number one overall pick. They're too good. Yeah, I think they're too good. The, well. the interesting one to me would be if the Bengals really okay. bottom out. Yeah, like what do they do if they? You know, they're o two and one. I don't think they're going to be mm-hmm. you know drafting two and fourteen. I, I would. It would it'd be hard pressed for me to see them be that bad. I think they're a more talented team than that. You mean two thirteen but, and one? But they're playing in a tough division in the you know the AFC North, and they've already lost to the probably the weakest other team in the AFC North. So that could be and six they lost or right didn't there. lose. They tied the Eagles, which yeah, is another terrible Eagles. team in the NFL. And so 
I do think there is like that would be the one where it's like, what do you do if you're the Bengals? I think you have to trade out I, of it. You I, have to trade out of it. You're just the highest I still bidder. think you draft. I think you draft Lawrence and trade Burrow at that point. Really? I would. Oh my goodness! Look at you. I mean, what's the trade? Take. Like the trade out of it would be, I mean, very similarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the return. It, like if Burrow looks like he has first three weeks for the whole season, the return would still be huge. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. All right, uh, last one for me is going to be the Mississippi State offense led by KJ Costello, Kylan Hill, and obviously Mike Leach going against Arkansas as 18-point favorites. You thought you had highlight reel, record-breaking passing yards against LSU. Let's see it against Arkansas, where I think they could just light the SEC again on fire and continue to build up uh, Kylan Hill's draft stock, who I think, and if he entered the draft this past year, is a day three pick, late day three pick, now could push himself into a high day three, maybe low day two type mm-hmm. of pick for Kylan Hill. Because if you prove you can be a pass catching back in the NFL, you instantly have so much more value than any other NFL back. So it'll be interesting to see um, as he continues to work and catch. Probably going to get targeted at least five times, not at least five times a game, but maybe average five targets a game in uh, Mike Leach's offense, which would be fun. It is hilarious to me that people almost like doubt Mike Leach to a degree or like oh like this, that scheme won't work in the SEC or there's even that conversation when Texas Tech and Washington State were disasters of football programs those were not good football programs and he took them to like relevancy mm-hmm. the fact that like he he there are sound principles to this offense obviously that work and in two different conferences already and say it's not gonna work in the SEC like I think they're he's just a very good football coach and I think people like maybe he's not a good recruiter maybe he's not uh, you know, the most personal guy as head coach, but what he does schematically works wherever every single stop of the way. And and like how he like coaches up his offensive line and like receivers and quarterback. Like they they are well coached offenses as well. All righty. Let's move to our NCAA Green Line picks this week. This is all presented by PFF Green Line, available to elite subscribers, a betting dashboard that is a lot of fun to use. What is your pick this week? I'm going deep cut here after I got burnt by florida state we're gonna go uh another dog here tulsa going up against ucf ucf's a 21 and a half point favorite that's doing a disservice to tulsa's defense this defense has actual some nfl talent on it zavin collins linebacker jackson player the nose tackle they got six foot four safety named Kendarian ray they held oklahoma state to 17 points oklahoma state pretty damn good offense in their own right absolutely i just think 21 and a half is a ton of points for ucf now i love ucf I picked him to make the playoff. Love Dylan Gabriel. 90.5 passing grade so far this year. But 21.5 points is a lot. With going up against, like I said, a defense that I think is actually fairly good. Uh, so Tulsa, You love, love chasing a dog, Mike. I know. I mean, it's more fun that way. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what is fun? What's really fun is rooting for unders. <laughs> Who doesn't like rooting for unders? My green light pick last week was an absolute bad beat and sweat watching with Dr. Eric Eager. He also had um, some cheddar on that game when Missouri crossed the touchdown in the final seconds to, to, to kill the under was just a brutal beat. This week, I'm rooting for another under. It's under 62 and a half uh, with Oklahoma against Iowa State. Brock Purdy has not looked good this year. Yeah, he's put up 37 points against TCU and 14 points against LA Lafayette. And even this past week, Spencer Rattler didn't look his normal brand of football and struggled a bit against Kansas State. However, this is the Big 12. Points get scored a ton, and people love rooting for points. I think there's overall a market value on 
unders in the Big 12 because everyone's betting on overs in the Big 12 because of the defenses are so bad. I see it as a value. Greenline has it at a 1.1% edge. I'm taking the 62.5 under Oklahoma, Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State's offense has not been good either. This The way they cover this number is Oklahoma scores like 60 itself. You know, that's that's where I see it happening because I don't know if Iowa State's going to be able to do it. Um, I don't think I don't see this being a 30 30 plus type like of game. last week's against K-State yeah. where it was like 35 38. No, I can I can get on board with that. I can ride with you better get on board. With Although it. Green I don't, line but here's it. the thing: is like I want, I don't want it to happen. Yeah, I want to see Brock Purdy carve it up. I want to see Spencer Rattler carve it up. So Same. no, well, I'm not getting on board. With the, the, this, that's where the market myself. value is, Mike. Everyone wants to see these points. What am I trying to do? Make money or feel good about myself? That's it's a good question. That's an existential question. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually a good. I don't, I don't uh, know if we're ready to answer that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to refuse to answer that. But, uh, well, let's end on that one, Mike. I think that was a good one. That This has been the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. Remember, rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure it's automatically downloaded to your phone. We want to be in your phone consistently. We didn't like that. I didn't really like that. Either way, um, make sure to subscribe, download, rate, review the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. Until next week, our Monday edition, we review a ton of prospects and a ton of rookie performances. However, we don't get to every single one. And if we don't get to a guy that, like, hey, man, I'm a big whatever fan, and I wanted to, you know, yeah. your opinion of this, P, you know, this player, this rookie, this prospect, please, in the review, you leave a five-star review with his name. We'll get to him on the Wednesday podcast. I know it's a preview podcast, but we'll open up a segment to talk about guys we, you guys bring up in the review. So make sure you do that on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Leave a name for us to get to on Wednesday podcast moving forward, and we'll hammer him because we're not going to get to every guy, Mike. We go in here every time. We're, we're skimming guys out of our outline here. We're not going to get to every guy. So do that for next week. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for one guys.